Amen, amen, thank you. We're going to have a little more fun tonight, Wednesday night. We had some fun in worship, didn't we, amen? Come on. We're going to have a little bit more fun here. We're going to do some show and tell. We're going to have some interaction. Keep everybody awake on this uh, Wednesday night, huh? Well, I get set up here. If you guys want to uh, get out your Bibles, if you got it, go to Genesis. We'll pray and we'll get rolling here. Anybody got a paper Bible here? Amen. All right. All right. Well, let's pray here tonight. Gracious Lord, we just, we gather here again, continuing to have fun in your presence, Lord, to, to just worship you and Lord, we thank you that we had that opportunity here to come into a place freely and praise the name and lift the name of God on high, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your presence here tonight as we, as we sang that here tonight, Lord. And I just pray that you know, your presence would continue with us now, Lord, as you bring a word for each one of us here in this room, Lord. I, we just thank you for that opportunity. We thank you that you can speak to us, Lord, that you speak to us freely, Lord. And I ask that you would you just use me and, uh, to share this message that you have given, Lord, and I I pray that each one within the sound of my voice receives refreshment in your word tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So tonight I'm going to talk to you about something, but it's, I title my message really is a question, and the question is, are you thirsty? All right? Are you thirsty? And I'm going to take a little drink with that, pause in a, you know, for effect here. So... And I want to talk to you tonight about water, right here. Two elements on the periodic table, right? Hydrogen and oxygen, put them together, it creates water, right? So, like I said, go to Genesis. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, we know is about creation, right? It says here in verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So that's Genesis 1, 1 and 2. So in these first two verses, we know what? We know that water existed on day one, right? See, I said there's going to be interaction. You've know, you got to respond to me. you got to, come on, this is, we're going to have some fun tonight, all right? So, so life began with water. At, at creation, water covered the earth, right? And God's spirit, what did it say? Covered the water, right? So, so now I want you to take that, Genesis verse 2. The spirit that covered the water. And I want you to take that and just place it over here for a minute. So we're going to get back to that a bit later. But now move with me down to verse 6. So in verse 6 it says, Then God said, Let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of heaven from the waters of the earth. All right, so now we're getting somewhere. See, in verse 6 here, we're told that there are two types of water, right? Waters of heaven and waters of what? Waters of the earth. Amen. So that, that's what I want to talk about here tonight. We're going to talk about the waters of the earth for a little bit. So I, I got a question. We're going to start with a question for you. How many of you know how to swim? I want to show of hands. Oh, wow, we got a lot of swimmers in the room. Amen. All right. All right, so how many of you don't know how to swim? Don't be shy. Come on, how many don't know how to swim? We got a couple here, all right? Anybody not swim very well? Uh, now we got some honest people. Amen, amen. So, so you know what? Let, let's do something here tonight with this group. You know, it's Wednesday night. Let's have some fun, all right? So, so if you know how to swim, I want you to move over to the left side. So your left side of the room, get up and move to the left. 
All right? And if you don't know how to swim or you're not a good swimmer, I want you to get up and go to the right. Yeah, center aisle, so left, right, okay? See that? I told you we're going to have some fun here tonight. Come on. Hey, if you can't be honest in the house of God, where are you going to be honest, right? Come on. Woo, we got a heavy side over here. Look at that. Good. All these swimmers over here. So you guys that don't know how to swim or don't swim very well, you might want to hit up one of these people here. They could help you out, okay? But, but so, so hear what I'm saying, but I'm going to talk to the, these folks over here for a while because these are my swimmers, okay? We're going to talk to them for a second. So, so if I had a helicopter, and man, let me tell you what, I wish I had a helicopter. I just hit up my brothers on Op 3 the other day asking if anybody knew anybody with a helicopter. There's some fun stuff I want to do with one of those. But if, if I had a helicopter take you out about 30 miles out onto the center of Lake Erie, basically, which is the Canadian Lake Erie border, and drop you in, how would you do? Would you be able to survive? You did it. Oh, look at that. We got some diehards over here. You guys got to come up to the front. Come on. So, so would you be able to survive, whether you're treading water, waiting till someone would rescue you, or you'd swim back? So, so roughly middle of, middle of Lake Erie, like if you're an average swimmer, it should take you about 15 hours if you're swimming. So what'd you guys do it? About halfway. Okay. Man, I shouldn't even be up here. They should be up here preaching. Come on. All right, so, so would you be able to survive? If you wouldn't, you know, you couldn't, you, you know, even just the thought of me saying that, you were fearful. You thought, man, I might drown. All right, so if you're in this group right here and you thought you might drown or you know you're not going to make it, we're going to get up and you're going to move over to this side. You know, th- this, this is like the Gideon story here, all right? I'm trying to get down to my 300, okay? We're going to get out of that. Look at this. Musical chairs. I love it. All right, so now I still love all you guys, but I'm going to focus on these guys over here because we got some Michael Phelps caliber swimmers over here. You know what I mean? Right? You guys know Michael Phelps, right? Olympic swimmer, right? 28 gold medals. Man, that's, I think that's the all-time record too. So, so for you swimmers especially you, you Coast Guard ladies over there. Um, you, ever see, you ever see him do the butterfly stroke? Throw that picture up. Yeah, there we go. All right, so that's Michael Phelps. You see him do that over... Any, you know what? One of the really good swimmers here. Who knows how to do the butterfly stroke? Anyone want to come up here and kind of give me a little tutorial, show me how you do this here? Get that. All right. All right, so, so the butterfly stroke. Ready? Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of like a dolphin going through, right? Right? Yep. So your face is down, right? So, so thank you. Thank you very much. Let's give her a hand, huh? So, so in that form of swimming, there's only a short window that you can actually get breath. So you're coming up, and you're going back down. All right? So it's just constant, uh, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down. You're bobbing your head in and out of the water, and you're basically like gasping for air, especially if you're, you know, you're not very good at this. You're like, every time, but otherwise you're breathing properly, you know, like Michael Phelps, and you're, you're blowing the numbers off the charts there. But, you know, so, so you're, you're just going up, down, up, down. You're, you're gasping for air. Every possible chance you get up, you take as much air as you can before you go back down, and you just keep doing this over and over and over again until you hit the finish line, right? Until you finish the race, you see where you ended up. 
And, um, you know, a lot of us here today, we're experiencing this same sort of thing. Only I'm not talking about swimming, I'm, I'm talking about walking. See, you're facing this in your spiritual walk with Christ. You see, for brief spurts, you're above the surface, you're walking with the Lord. Everything's good, you got air in your lungs, you're breathing right, you know, and then all of a sudden, the enemy pulls you down, Right? He's just he's pulling you down but just below the surface. I mean, you could, just, you could still see Jesus. You know what I mean? But he's just out of reach, right? Or so you think he's just out of reach. And he's got you thinking you're drowning. He's got you thinking, I'm running out of air. I can't breathe, right? Listen, the, the enemy is torturing you. You know it. If, if this is your experience, you know it. The enemy is torturing you. You guys know, uh, you guys know what waterboarding is? Yeah, well, you, should, you know, those that are experiencing this, this is what the enemy's doing to you. He's, he's spiritual waterboarding, so to speak. Um, like I said, you know, this is going to be a little show and tell, a little interaction. Thankfully, you know, everybody moved out of the front row here because we're going to call this front row the splash zone. All right. <laughs> now, hear me, okay? Th- this might freak some of you out. You might get scared here, okay? But it's okay. We're we're in the house of the Lord. The the Holy Spirit's in the room. He's got you, okay? All right. And like I said, you're in the splash zone up here. You're okay, Laura. You might get a little. Uh, all right. Don't. You can scream, I guess, if you want. But oh, I'm glad you're in the second row. All right. Oh, so I said this was some show and tell. Okay. Now this is not alive. This is not alive. Okay. All right. If you're watching online, there's a disclaimer. This is not real. Okay. All right. So this this is just for visual purposes. Okay. All right, so waterboarding is a form of torture, and it's also used in interrogation. You know, either forcefully plunging someone's head, the person's head into the water repeatedly over and over and over again, kind of like we're talking about the butterfly stroke, over and over and over again. Or it's also where a person's strapped down on a board with their head sloped downward. And then the person, you know, doing the punishment, doing the torture, doing the interrogating, Starts pouring the water over their head. I'm in the splash zone. Right into their mouth, into their nose, so they can't breathe. They have the feeling of drowning. But they're not really drowning. I mean, their head's still above water. But it's filling them, giving them that experience. Right? You guys, you guys tracking with me here? No one's afraid. No one's scared. Everybody's okay? I mean, those, those that you know, didn't know how to swim, I was kind of glad you were way over here because you know, the head and the drowning is on this side, all right? If you need to, you can grab the hand of the neighbor next to you. You know, if it's not your wife or it's not your husband, look at your husband or your wife first. But, you know, just for comfort if you need to. But, listen, for, the, for some of us, you know, the enemy is forcefully plunging your head under the water. Right? He's doing it again and again. He's taking that water. Whatever the, the situation, whatever the fear may be, and he's just pouring it over you. And you think you're drowning. You feel that you're drowning. You feel that you're alone. Like if I dropped you in the middle of Lake Erie. No flotation device, no life jacket. Whoo, 30 miles out, alone in deep water. He's got you strapped to the board. You know, he's dumping the gallon upon gallon over your head, over your face. And you're in the darkness, you're gasping for air, and you're reaching for the light. 
Uh, I want to share a little experience I had with this. Anybody whitewater rafters out here? Anybody like going whitewater rafting? Got a little adventure? Thrill seekers out here? Like I said, we're doing a little more show and tell. Trust me, if, if I had more time, I probably would have had a boat up here and all kinds of stuff. But So, everybody know what this is, right? Life vest? Okay. This is my personal life vest, but my son tried it on earlier, so I don't know if it's going to fit right now. But So, if you've ever been whitewater rafting, um, anybody at Laurel Highlands, Ohio Pile, anybody been there rafting at all? Nobody? You have? Look at these thrill seekers back here. I mean, these are the same ones that got dropped in the center of Lake Erie. Come on. You're showing us, us guys up over here. So, so anyway, I, I, you know, it's in southwestern PA, and in the um, Yakagani River there, there's some class 4, class 5, even some class 6 if you go to it, um, rapids along this river. And uh, so, so one particular time, a group of 30 of us men went out, and, you know, we're thrill seekers. We're, we're trying to... Whew, get, get, get close to it, you know what I mean, but not get too far. I mean, we want to go see Jesus, but we're not ready to go there yet. But we want to build that adrenaline up, that testosterone, you know. So, so we, hit, we hit the Yakagani River. And, uh, I mean, the section we hit, you know, long rapids, powerful, irregular waves. I mean, rocks everywhere, all right, dangerous rocks. Like, you're talking about climbing up that hill. I mean, there were rocks everywhere. I mean, there's like giant boulders, massive rock formations in here. And... Uh, so like I said, around 30 of us men go out on this, and it's a 10-mile stretch that we're going to hit up. And it's supposed to take like four, four hours or so for, for the caliber, I guess you would call that we were. It took us five and a half. Um, so like I said, there's 30 of us guys. So in, in the rafts, basically, you got two men on your left, two men on your right, and you got either a, a guide or a navigator in the back. If you got more guys, you'll throw one in the front or in the middle or whatever. So... Um, you know, guys, we're all, comp, you know, we're all competitive, right? So we're sizing up the guys in our group who's got who in the, in the raft with you. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I got, I got a good group of guys with me. I, you know, some, some athletic guys. I mean, the, the dude, you know, on the starboard side is built like Kelly over here. You know, I'm thinking, man, we got this. You know, we're going to see who gets down this 10-mile stretch the best, the quickest, you know, who doesn't lose any guys. And, uh, Man, not even like a half a mile in, my boy jumps ship. He, he, we get close to one of the other rafts, and he jumps out and gets into their raft because his best friend's in that raft. And so then we get this other guy, and uh, I ask him, Marty, I'm like, have you ever done this before? He's like, I, I can't swim. He, he is totally freaked out. So instead of putting him on the front, he gets to go behind me on, on, the, on the port side. So, um, so we get down like the... Th- three mile marker okay and there's there's this fork in the river all right and and so we're getting we're getting to this fork our guide our navigator in the back's going right 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 so i'm on the left all right so i'm up front i'm on the left of this thing and i'm just pushing it man i'm got that got that paddle i'm digging it down in digging it down in because that's the way if you want to go right if you if you know you got to use the left side and if you want to go left you got to use the right side so i'm going i mean i'm like come on i'm like looking at it and we're still heading straight for this rock i mean we're going straight for this rock i'm thinking what is going on i am sweating bullets here and i'm just going and i I glance back at you know mr no swimmer back here and he's back behind me and he's got his paddle like this and I'm, come on, come on, come on. And he's, and I'm talking, he's like, you know, if this is the crest of the water, he's barely dipping his paddle. 
He's just barely touching, and it's, it's perfectly horizontal with the water, you know, and, and we're going to call him Paddle Dipper for the rest of this story. Um, but praise the Lord, thankfully, you know, the current shifted the way it shifted, and we made it. We made it around this thing, and we had a little talking to to this guy, was, you know, as we're going along, but... Um, so, so these, these rapids we're on, I mean, some stretches, they're dropping 100, 115, you know, feet per mile coming down, which is, it's crazy. And uh, so we get like mile seven. Whew, this is where the you-know-what hit the fan. I mean, it, it, it got rough. And uh, they warned us about this at the beginning. So at the beginning, they're like, you're going to get to around mile marker seven. Whatever you do, listen to the guides. Uh, there were guides in kayaks running along the banks of both sides for safety. You know, just something went, went south. But then, you know, the guy in the back, whether he's a guide or a navigator, he's, he's telling you where to go. So like this camera in the middle here, we get up to, we know what's going on here, and there's this huge rock right here in the middle. I mean, it's, it's massive. And it, it kind of slopes up. All right, so they told you, whatever you do, you don't want to hit the middle. All right, if you have to, you're going to have to go to the right and go down the, the steep rapids. Or you can go to the left, and it's smooth sailing. I mean, it's calm. You can come around it, and you'll be just fine. So especially for Paddle Dipper back here, we're, we're going left. You know, we want to go to the left side. And, man, we're, we're, we're getting close. I mean, I'm, we're almost like from me to the camera right now, and we just start drifting. We start drifting sideways. And so I'm on the left, you know, and I'm back up front. Cutting it, cutting it, trying to get back right, get back right to straighten ourselves out. Because even if we're going to the left side or going to the right, we want to hit it head on. You know, you don't, you don't want to hit going sideways. But guess what we did? Man, no matter what we could do, we went sideways. I mean, we went, you like couldn't have planned it any worse. You know what I mean? We went perfectly sideways up onto this thing. And I, I, I don't remember, I kind of think the, the raft behind us bumped us and gave us a little nudge over the top because I kind of felt like we stopped for a minute, almost like you're at Cedar Point. You know, you get up on the crest, and there's this just one pause. But, man, we got airborne. I mean, this was like something you would have seen out of a comedy movie. We got airborne, flipped us over. We're, you know, we're heading down because this is like a waterfall now because of this big rock. So we're heading down into the water. And just before I hit, I got to roll because I was like nose diving in. And I hit the water with my left shoulder, got down in, hit a rock on the bottom, Thankfully, we're all wearing helmets, so, you know, you, you kind of save your head there. But, man, just start taking me over, over, end over end. You know, I kind of felt like I was in a washing machine, just kind of going all over the place. And, man, when you're in there, you don't know up from down. You don't know where the, you know, when you're panicking like that, you don't know where the top of the water is and where the shore, you know, where the bottom is. And so what they told you, I can't even put this on now. Thanks, teacher. So what they told you to do at the beginning, they warned you if you capsize and you go flipping around, you grab onto your vest all right, crisscross arms like this and lay on your back. And you float right to the top and then it just takes you around, you know. Simple enough, right? But thankfully, I remembered that. And it took me up and I was like, whew, this ain't no bad. This is, this is good. I'm all right, I'm alive. Paddle dipper. He was grabbing at everything. I mean, he was flipping in and out, over and under. He was going crazy. I mean, he'd jump out of the water screaming, yelling, take him back down underneath and spin him around. We're all looking like, where is he? Where is he? At this point, the guides are coming up. All right, so all the guides are fearing because he's just going down the river like, and we, he's, we're thinking he's going to drown. All right? And so one of the guides gets, gets pretty close, like six feet away, and he takes his paddle out to try and help him. You know, like, grab the paddle, you know, get you back up to the surface. 
Well, he takes that paddle and he uses it like a rope and he pulls up to the kayak and he grabs onto the kayak and flips the kayak over. One, two, three times. So this time the guide's screaming, yelling at him. He's pretty upset. So he takes the paddle and pushes the guy away from him because he's trying to save himself now, preservation too. And this goes on for a little while. But as he come down at this, at this waterfall we're talking about, that left side was calm. There was like a plateau with a pool. So by this time, we get down to that plateau. And you know, thankfully, there was, there was more guides there. But this one guide just yells out to him, grab your vest and stand up. And he hears it. And I mean, the water, like at that point, is only about this deep. And he just stands right up. He's maybe about waist deep. He's good. You know, he's safe. All that worrying, all that freaking out. And he was only in water about waist deep. We still call him Paddle Dipper, but, you know, he, he was okay. And that word, but, right? Just like in the Bible, anytime you hear but God, right? Well, that's a good, that's a good phrase right there, that conjunction, but God. So now we're going to go back to that little uh, verse there we held, Genesis 1-2. And hear about but God, so... That next part of that verse says, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface. I'll take this off. See, even though you might feel like you're drowning, that the enemy's pulling you down below the surface into sin, into doubt, into depression, whatever he can use to try and you know, get a grip on you, you know, any, anything he can do to just kind of drop a little bit more water on your face, get you thinking you're still below the surface. You're still drowning. He's going to take every opportunity. But listen up. What did it say in that verse? The Spirit of God is hovering over the surface. The Spirit of God is hovering over you. No matter what the enemy might say, the Spirit of God is hovering over each and every one of you in this room, each and every one of you watching online. You know, just above the surface, Jesus is reaching out his hand for you just as he did for Peter. So let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 4 to be exact. So Jesus leaves Judea and he's on his way to Galilee. And depending on what version you're reading, it says he had to or he needed to go through Samaria. But the truth is, geographically, he didn't. There's another way. Matter of fact, you know, most of the Jews would tend to go to the east, cross the Jordan River, head north, and then go back over, cross the Jordan, come back over to Galilee. Got some music going on here. So I said geographically he didn't, but spiritually Jesus had to. He had to go through Samaria. Let's pick up at verse 4 there. It says, He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So what time did she come to draw water? Mm-hmm. Noontime, right? In the heat of the day. And she was doing this, why? Anybody know? So nobody can see her, right? She was trying to avoid contact with any other women of the city. You see, women came early in the morning or typically even in the evening to draw water. And you could read about this back in Genesis 24 uh, when Abraham sent out his servant to find a wife for Isaac. 
the servant goes out in the evening to the well because that's when all the women of the village, all the women of the town were going to draw water. So he could pick you know, the, the woman for Isaac at that point because every woman should have been there. You know, so, so the Samaritan woman comes to this well around noontime thinking she's going to be alone. No one's going to see her. But who was there? Jesus was there, right? And he says in verse 7, please give me a drink. Now this woman is surprised that he's even talking to her, you know, even acknowledging her at all because him being a Jew and, and her Samaritan, I mean, Jesus, I mean, you know, I don't care, you know, who it was. It could have been, you know, P- Peter. It didn't matter who the person was. If they were a, a Jew, why would they be talking to a Samaritan? You know, the Jews considered them half-breeds. Like I said, most Jews avoided them at all costs, so they would cross the Jordan instead of going through Samaria to get to Galilee because they didn't want even to be in proximity of them. I mean, this was social distancing at its you know, finest, I guess. But you know, I, th- I think because you know, the, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans, I think because it reminded them of their ancestors' sins. You, know, you see, because the, the ancestors intermarried with the Assyrians, and so when they saw the, Assyri- you know, the Samaritans, they, it reminded them of all oh, what their forefathers had done. But Jesus, Jesus didn't care, right? And, and this conversation he has with this woman is the longest recorded dialogue with anyone that he has in the Gospels. So the woman says to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now here's that window of opportunity. This is why Jesus came through Samaria, right? right? He came and he says, Jesus, Jesus says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Let me read that. I think someone, someone in here needs to hear that tonight. If you only knew the gift God has for you, you would ask him and he would give you the living water. So now, now Jesus has piqued her interest and he says in, down in verse 13 and 14, He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. For it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So what's this living water? If you guys want to flip in your Bibles over to John chapter 7. I'm going to read 37 through 39 here. It says, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit. He would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. That was verse 39 there. So Jesus, he's at the well of Jacob. He reveals to this woman that he knows who she is, right? He knows that he's, he's, he lets her know that he's seen her. And then he also tells her that he is who? He's the Messiah. And as a result, she becomes one of the first evangelists. She runs through her community with rivers of life flowing through her, right? The, the living waters flowing through her, and she tells everyone she sees. Now, this water is, is vital for all forms of life. Our bodies are made up of 60% water. But many of us are ingesting the wrong water. 
We're thirsty and we're looking for refreshment in the wrong water. We're at the well drawing a pail of water to quench our thirst, but we're at the wrong well. Your average soda, soft drink, 90% water. Our carbonic acid, sugars, and a few other ingredients. And now what started as water is harmful. It's harmful to your body. It even leads your teeth vulnerable to decay. Take hard liquor, 60% water, add ethanol. Beer and wine, 80 to 90% water. Add barley, hops, or yeast. Add fermented fruit and sugar. In the United States, about 1 in 12 men and 1 in 25 women over the age of 17 have an alcohol use disorder. And about 88,000 people die of alcohol-related causes every year. And that's just some of the things that are physically made up of the earth's water. There's plenty throwing, flowing through this world enticing men and women. You know, after you get your fix, it leaves you thirsty, wanting more. There's also spirits of depression, anxiety, loneliness, suicide, among others just flowing through as well. Leaving 30 to 40% of you dry, parched, weak, confused. 14.5 million adults deal with that. And last year, 50,000 deaths by suicide in the U.S. The enemy's using, using this earthly water to drown you. The thing is, he, do, he doesn't do it all at once. You know, he just does a little by little. You know, you think you go a week, all of a sudden, another little bit of water. Maybe two days. A little more. He's just pouring gallon upon gallon over you. Making you feel like you're drowning. You're all alone. He's got you strapped to that board, Right? Here's that, but God again. But God, just as before, he's right by your side. He's standing at the well. He's telling you, he's warning you, just as he did the Samaritan woman in John 4, 13. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never thirst, for it will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, he calls uh, the Lord God the fountain of living water. And if we drink of that fountain of living water, we'll never be thirsty again. Amen? Like I said, we got some, some uh, show and tell here. So, Anybody know what this is? Whoa! Look at that catch. Life straw. I mean, this one says it on there. This is a life straw. Okay? How many of you guys might have one of these or a couple of these? I knew you would, brother. All right, so... so I purchased a few of these a couple of years ago, you know, when things started to go sideways, you know, when everybody was running to the stores and stocking up on toilet paper and bottled water. I was like, man, I better get me some life straws, you know, filling up the, the bathtub and having to drink out of the pond out back or something. I better have one of these just in case. So did you know that nearly one in three of the world's people don't have access to safe water, clean water? They don't, they don't have it. You know, it can, be, it can be the difference between life and death. So these straws, they, uh, they're supposed to protect you, okay? They, they protect against bacteria, against parasites, against microplastics. And many of us Christians today are using these. We're using them in our daily walk, you know? 
But there's a problem. You see, we've, we've gone there. We've, we've watched that. We've done that with our life straw. You know? So we're safe. We're good. Right? It filters out the parasites. It takes out the bacteria. Right? But along the way, you know, maybe one day you, you forgot it at home. Oh, man, I left it at home. You forgot it in your car. Oh, man, it's in my trunk. You know? Then you hear that voice whispering to you. The enemy's trying to trick you here. He, he tells you, oh, you can, you can still partake of the water here. You can still take of the earth. You were fine before. You didn't need that life straw. You know, you'll be okay. Just one time, don't worry about it. Right? It'll be fine. You can take it. Kind of sounds like something, right? Oh, you can eat of the forbidden fruit. It's not going to harm you. Right? So you start rationalizing this. You, you think, all right, maybe, maybe I'll be all right. You know, it's just Tuesday. I'll be fine. I'll go to church on Wednesday. Everything will be good. You know? But you're thirsty, so you, you do it again and again and again. And pretty soon, you know, you don't read your Bible anymore. You know, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. You forget to pray. I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah, I could drink of the world today one more time. It'll be all right. And guess what? You're still thirsty. So you take another sip. And you forget to open your Bible again. You're too busy to come to church. You know, you, yeah, I didn't make it to pray today. I got up late. Forget it. I'll be all right. And you become dry. Listen, you're dry because you refuse to die. Hear that? You're dry because you refuse to die. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Amen? And we all know what it's like to feel thirsty, right? When you're exercising, you're playing a competitive sport, you know, maybe you're with the guys on the basketball on Friday nights. You start getting that cramp in your side. You, know, you wake up in the middle of the night, and man, you are just so parched. Your mouth is so dry. You can't, you can't think about anything else but getting a glass of water, getting a drink of water, right? Any, am I the only one? That, anybody? Okay, okay, just, just checking. So when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, at Jacob's well, he was thirsty. But he was thirsty to do what? The will of his father. You know, he tells his disciple that starting in verse 34. He says, you know, his, the will of the Father is to advance his kingdom, to give God glory and to, for the salvation and sanctification of you and me, for his children. The living water that Jesus speaks about to the Samaritan woman represents the Holy Spirit. You know, God's Spirit is alive. He is a living God. Amen? He operates in present tense, not past tense. He operates in present tense. You know, as we speak right now, the Holy Spirit is moving in us. He's moving through this room right now. Just as he did in worship, he's still moving through each and every one of us. I didn't say just in you, through you. Right? Through you. You're a conduit. All right, so I want to give you three ways to tap into the well, to drink from the right well. So the first one is you need to pursue God daily. You know, as we pursue God daily, the water washes through us. It spills out of us, refreshing us and refreshing others. 
You know, it's not a stagnant pond where we need to take that life strong drink out of. It's, it's moving water. It's flowing. You know, nothing can quench our spiritual thirst like the water of the Spirit. Amen? And the thing is, it's free. It's a free gift that Jesus gives to all who come and drink. We read it four or five times now. All who come, right? When we receive the gift, the Holy Spirit comes in, refreshes our soul, quenches our thirst, satisfies us as only he can. And he gives us eternal life. So I said we're going to do a little more show and tell. So, man, we got, we got all kinds of water these days, right? right? We, got, we got our cheap plastic round bottles. We got our better round bottles. We got our tall round bottles. We got our square bottles, right? We got our pH. We got our alkaline plus. Man, none of these taste good once we receive the living water of God. Amen. We have no need for the old things that used to quench our thirst. They no longer serve a purpose, right? I mean, I'm still thirsty. I'm going to drink some, but you know, the only water that can satisfy us is the living water of the Spirit. So this is going to check your health here a little bit. For healthy individuals, the average daily water intake for a man is about 15 and a half cups. That's 3.7 liters, about 125 ounces. For a woman, average is 11 and a half cups, or 2.7 liters, 91 ounces. So how do you drink this much water? If you drink this much water, how do you do it? You know, the doctors and others suggest that you start each day with a glass of water. At every meal, you have a glass of water. At the end of your day before you go to bed, you have a glass of water. That's the same thing you do with God. Right? You start each day with the Lord. At every meal... You pray over the food. You know, you thank him for the meal you're partaking in. And before you lay your head down at night, you thank him again. Right? You're in his presence continually. That's the only way the Holy Spirit's continue to flow through you. If you're always in presence, right? You're always with him. Number two, you need to stay hydrated. You need to drink God's word. Now, reading God's word isn't the same as drinking it. Reading can be completely uh, academic. You know, some in one ear, out the other, right? But drinking is meditation. Drinking is delighting. You're not just reading or skimming God's word. It, it doesn't quench your thirst. You need to drink in his word. It, drinking in his word is kind of like one of those sports drinks, you know, that's filled with electrolytes, right? It, it regulates your nerves, your muscles, helps your body hydrate itself, helps your blood pressure. It rebuilds damaged tissue. All when you're in the presence of the Lord. If you don't drink enough water each day, you risk being dehydrated. The only way you can avoid being dehydrated is first and foremost, you've got to remember that if you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit within you. That's all the hydration you need, right? Continuing water flow, living waters. John 14, 15 through 17, Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate the helper, right? Who will never leave you, for he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you, you know him because he lives with you now and later will be with you. You know, Jesus says this back then, but on the day of Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit descends upon the believer. And he did it then and he still descends upon the believer now. Amen? You know, he's living in each and every one of us today. 
So as you, it's it's kind of like living with a hydration pack. All right. So you you always have the Holy Spirit with you. Right. Anytime you need to take a drink, hmm? just take a sip. Right. Just take it in. You know, start on your day, your walk. You got some free time praying in the Spirit. Getting more of that water inside of you. That living water just continue to flow through you. What do we say before is it's flowing in you, it's going to flow through you out to those around you, right? That's when you get those conversations. Man, there's something different about you. You know, those opportunities just like Jesus had at the well with the Samaritan woman where you get that foot in the door because of that conversation. Now that, that hydration pack, I told you guys before that Average man or woman needs three to four liters. Well, this, this hydration pack here is, is 12 liters. So there's always enough. Overflowing. Amen? So as you go about your day, you need to know the warning signs of dehydration. They include weakness, low blood pressure, dizziness, confusion. So you always need to hydrate. You know, Pastor Troy talked about it a few weeks ago. You know, a great way to stay thirsty, to stay hungry is to fast. You, know, you do a weekly fast. He, he, he talked about the 15 to 19 hours, what, the, you know, what your body does after that long of going without food, right? It's key. It's vital. Replenish your spirit. Focus more on him when you're hungry, when you're thirsty. Amen? And that's how, number three, we stay refreshed. We need, we need to be refreshed in Christ by fellowship with other believers. We need to come to church like we're doing tonight, right? We need to stop just watching it online, and we need to get into the place, all right? Stop listening to podcasts only. You know, it's great. Man, you better come to the house of the Lord, right? You need to get close proximity with other believers, you know, within six feet, all right? Shoulder to shoulder with other believers, you know, join a life group, a discipleship group. You just need to get plugged in. You also need to stay refreshed by remembering what God has done, whether that's in a journal, whatever, you know, you want to put stuff on a plaque or on a wall, whatever you want to do, you need to remind yourself daily that he is faithful. Amen? Remember Lamentations 3.23. It says, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Yeah. As I get ready to close, look at this perfect timing, man. I love it. I want to share another story here. I shared a little bit of this about a year ago, this time. So about a year ago, I got home from work, and man, I was just not feeling right all day. I just had some pain. You know, it just started getting worse and worse as the day goes on. By the time I get home, I just, I, nothing felt comfortable but to kind of lay in the fetal position on my bed. And, you know, if anybody's a doctor out there, man, God bless you, but I, I hate going to the doctor. I avoid the doctor as much as I can, all right? And it got to a point, though, where I'm like, whew. I started looking on my phone like, okay, typing all my, you know, symptoms in. What is this? What is this? And first thing that comes up is appendicitis. I'm thinking, oh, boy, you know? Oh, man. So I tell my wife, I'm like, I got to this point, you know, you start getting hot, you know, and you maybe you feel the spirit go, man, you might want to check that out. You know, you might want to go to the doctor. You might, it's time, you know, go to the hospital. 
And so I told her, I said, I think we need to go to the hospital. This might be my appendix. So we, we, we kind of rushed to the hospital. I'm, I'm texting some of my boys. You know, I'm, I'm hitting up Pastor Troy and Pastor Lou. I'm like, pray for me, man. I don't know. I think it's my appendix. And, uh, and it's just forever. Waiting game. On and on and on. And, you know, they're, they're taking wagers in, in, the, in the room. The doctor, the nurses. I think it's kidney stones. I think it's appendicitis. Going back and forth. And by this time, I had to take the drugs. I couldn't take it any longer. I needed some painkillers. And I was feeling good. So I'm starting to wager with them too. And... Uh, MRI, everything comes back, and it's, oh, it's kidney stones. Man, I'm telling you, my manhood went from, like, here to here. I was kind of, to be honest with you, I was kind of hoping it was appendicitis just because, like, kidney stone? Come on, seriously? You know, all this, I thought I was, like, dying. You know, and all it was was kidney stones. But, hey, it's painful. It's painful. I've even talked to some women, like, man, this is worse than childbirth. So I'm going to give myself a little props right there. But, uh, you know, the only way to get rid of those kidney stones, well, the best way, I should say, to get rid of those kidney stones was drinking water. Now, I usually drink about 60 to 80, and I'm below. I mean, I'm, I should be drinking 125, like I told you. But in order to get rid of those kidney stones, I had to drink like double that. You know, and the, the point is to, to flush it out of your system. All right, so as we get in God's word, we need to get more of it. As we spend time with him, we need to get more of him. We need to flush, we need to purge all that junk out of our system. And we're only going to do it the more and more we have the Holy Spirit in us. The more and more we spend time in here. You know, this is our life straw. Right here. You know, Jesus is the way. No other way. So my question to you here tonight is, are you drinking from the wrong well? Are you finding yourself unsatisfied, unfulfilled? You know, Jesus is just above the surface. You know, he's, he's got an outstretched hand and he's calling to you. He's calling to you. You're trying to fight your way up for air. You're tired of battering the storms and getting nowhere. You feel like you're drowning, you know. I got another gallon here, so I'm going to use it. I mean, you know, the enemy just keeps doing it. But Jesus is there. He's waiting for you. He's calling out to you. He's saying, come to me and I will give you rest. He's offering you that spiritual water that you'll never thirst again. Or are you thirsty? Are you tired of drinking water from the wrong well? Because every time you do, the enemy pulls you back down, deeper and deeper below the surface. He sees you fighting. So he does it again. And again. And again. And Jesus sees you. You know, just as he saw the Samaritan woman, just as he saw his disciples out in the Sea of Galilee, and he comes to you, he says, take my hand. I'll calm the storms of your life. Take my hand, and I'll give you spiritual water. I will give you everlasting life. Everyone bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we're tired. Our arms are tired of battling the ways of life on our own. Lord, we're drowning, but we see you. Lord, I believe in you, Lord. I reach out my hands to you tonight and I cry out to you. Save me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and purify me with your living water. 
I surrender my life to you. Lord, now take my life and make it new. Make me new, Lord. For I praise you and I worship you as Lord and Savior of my life. I pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer, you're here tonight, you're watching online, let us know. I'm going to ask if uh, some prayer partners will come up. I know we got a little longer here tonight. I actually cut it down, so praise the Lord for you guys that I didn't keep going. But if you're here tonight and, you know, you prayed that prayer, or you're here tonight, you're thirsty. You know, you need some hydration. You need to get refreshed. You know, the, the prayer warriors that are coming up here are going to be here to refresh you, right? To quench that thirst through Jesus. They're going to be the conduit for the living water to flow through into your life. So if you're here tonight and, you know, that's you, I just ask you to come this way before you go that way. If not, I just thank you for listening to me. Thank you for uh, tonight. God bless each one of you. Live right, love everybody, pray hard.